Good morning, ladies and gentle folks. Welcome back to the show, The RR Show. And today I have got for you some juicy, juicy pro revenge stories. So sit tight and dig in and get some tea and popcorn while we go with our first story from Catherine the Tigger. I broke up with my boyfriend on his birthday for horrible actions he did when he was a teenager. Tomorrow, only on Disney+. Plus. My name is Taylor. Welcome to the Eras Tour. Experience Taylor Swift's record-breaking Eras Tour. Swift, the Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with four additional acoustic songs. Streaming tomorrow, only on Disney+. Plus. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I, 26 female at the time, had just started dating Thomas, 28 male, and, you know, things seemed promising. Very sweet man, educated, quite smart, good looks. After seven weeks of dating, he invited me and two of his childhood friends, let's call them Alex and Bart, for a long 29th birthday celebration weekend at his father's country house in a small French town. His father was going to be around as well, and I was very excited to meet everyone. Day one, Friday, is fun. I'm happy to get along well with Thomas's father, a smart and caring man. Day two, Saturday, after a very nice day, we enjoyed a party in the garden with the neighbors, including some friends of Thomas. After a few hours and lots of drinks, a group of people gather around a small campfire and start sharing childhood memories. This is where things go wrong. At first, of course, you know, innocent and dumb stories as you'd expect, but then Thomas and his friends started sharing really sick stuff. In particular, they told a story about how, when they were 14 or 15 years old, they found it very amusing to bully, for almost six months, a boy called Arthur, a boy of their school who was very isolated and shy, making jokes, calling names, you name it. As if this was not enough, they created a fake girl's profile on MSN Messenger, a computer platform to exchange live messages that were used in the early 2000s and spent fucking months exchanging messages with him under the false girl's identity, flirting and developing a false relationship with the poor boy. Some people were in the confidence at school, and it became a big and cruel joke behind Arthur's back. They used pictures of Bart's real cousin, and the boy truly thought he had some kind of online girlfriend to whom he even sent confessions and love messages. At some point they got bored and scheduled a false rendezvous IRL asking the boy to take a bus for two to three hours wearing an Elmer the Elephant t-shirt, again another private joke. Obviously there was no one waiting for him and they did not know how long he waited over there by himself. If Arthur had not already understood what was going on, he found out the next day at school after Thomas and Bart told the story to everyone and even shared the love messages that Arthur had been writing. The poor boy stopped coming to class and apparently changed school, 
and it's easy to imagine that this must have been extremely traumatizing to him. Do you think Thomas, Alex, and Bart had any bit of shame about it? Nah, not a bit of remorse, in particular on Thomas and Bart's side. They kept making jokes about it and even seemed to regret that they were not good enough at being evil to convince the boy to send nudes or sexy pics. I don't even want to imagine what would have happened if he'd done so. To say that I felt uncomfortable would be a gross understatement. I was absolutely horrified and started to despise Thomas more than anything. I was not the only one that was shocked. Thomas's father, who had heard the end of the story, had the most disappointed look in his eyes. His stupid son was so drunk, he didn't even notice it. I escaped the party immediately after that and got back to the house. I could not sleep at all that night. I just kept thinking about the evening and how Thomas was still finding this funny. I heard him coming to bed around 4am, but I pretended I was asleep. Day 3, Sunday, was the actual birthday, and the initial plan was that I would take Thomas on a one-to-one -one fancy surprise date for lunch nearby, and then we would meet the group for a late afternoon party. But instead, I woke up very early on Sunday morning, took all my stuff in silence, and went alone to the train station where I took a direct train heading back to Paris. I decided to send a text to Thomas wishing him a happy birthday and telling him to meet me at a certain location one hour from the house for a surprise and that I needed to go a little bit in advance to make sure everything was ready and just perfect. I'd picked a location randomly using Google Maps to gain time. Thomas read the text at around 10am when he woke up. He responded with excitement that he would follow religiously the instructions. When he arrived there at 1230 I told him to wait further as there was a little delay on something. When I asked him to meet me at the restaurant, which was a 30-minute drive from the initial location, then he arrived at 13.15, and I texted him I was on my way, I'd arrive in 20 minutes and will understand when he sees me and why I've made him wait. I also asked him to order some food and the most expensive bottle on the menu. Around half one, he started calling me several times and sent a lot of worried texts. After about 45 minutes, I responded, in French, So how does it feel to have people play with your feelings? Then, I stopped responding. I let him call and text the entire afternoon, but he never responded. At some point, an unknown number called me. It was his friend, Alex, asking what was going on, and that Thomas's birthday was completely ruined because of what I did. I just responded, Well, this is an extremely small payback for what you did to Arthur. Tell Thomas to stop calling me and I hung up and blocked them. I still felt bad the entire evening as I'd started to grow attached to Thomas back then. The following days, a common friend told me to say that my reaction was completely absurd and unfair, that it was not my role to punish someone for actions they did as a teenager, that they were adults and there's ways of saying things that I had been completely crazy. Only a few people supported what I did. Everyone else seemed to think I was a bitch. Thomas tried to fix things and win me back for a few months afterwards. I never responded to any of his messages. I don't regret it. I simply hope that Arthur, who should be 35 or 36 years old now, is doing well. Well guys, what I'd be interested to know what you lot think, right? Is that Was that too much or was it not enough? Drop a comment and tell me what you think. Our next story is from Campfires in Conifers, an attorney's dream case. My parents versus the bank. Do you enjoy science, spooky stories, and all things paranormal? We do too. 
While we would love for most paranormal stories to be true, we are here to tell you that they probably aren't. But that doesn't make them any less fun to speculate about. We are the Spooky Science Sisters podcast. In this podcast, we bring you bi-weekly discussions on possible scientific explanations behind the supernatural. Backed up by research articles and other credible sources, we do deep dives into things like archaeology and physics and share in-depth discussions with topic experts. Visit us at SpookySciencesisters.com to listen to a couple of skeptics debunk some of your favorite alien encounters, cryptid sightings, and ghost stories with science, sass, and a significant amount of laughter. Thank you, and stay spooky. True terrors of horror, bizarre happenings, unexplainable events. On our podcast, Disturbed, Terror Takes Center Stage. Each episode is a journey into the darkest corners of human existence, delving into bone-chilling tales of kidnappings, serial killers, maniacs, and the very essence of your worst nightmares coming to life on this weekly true horror show. Disturbed is not for the faint of heart. It's an exploration of real, unadulterated horror sourced from everyday people. Each episode is a descent into the macabre, where we narrate stories that will leave you on the edge of your seat and crawling in your skin. We navigate the disturbing narratives that lurk in the shadows, offering a raw and unfiltered listen into the most terrifying aspects of the human experience. Enter at your own risk and let the unsettling tales unfold in the haunting realm of Disturbed. And remember, listeners, stay safe out there. In 1973, my parents had enough money to build a little ranch house in the country. The small bank in town approved the mortgage and the bank signed a contract to give Bob the money to build the house. Bob, as it turns out, was overbooking himself all over town, leaving his clueless minions to do the actual work. The build took longer and longer, with more and more work having to be ripped out and redone. We ain't talking about using the wrong colour paint or nailing up some wonky trim here. The architect forgot to fully erase a line on the blueprint and the framers built a wall through the bathtub. My mother was told don't put anything heavy in the kitchen cabinets because they were attached to drywall. Not the studs. Using a few roofing nails through the back of each cabinet. The garage door opening was framed into the living room instead of towards the driveway and so on. When the bank's representative showed up for the final inspection, my parents met him in the front yard and refused to sign off on Bob's work. Then representative became angry, as the bank had paid Bob a lot of money. He strode to the front door and pulled on the doorknob, whereupon the entire door, casing included, fell on him. It had simply been wedged and not nailed in place. Well, the bank called Bob, who finally showed up to supervise the work himself. The only problem was Bob wasn't any better at building a house than his minions were. So my parents still refused to sign off on the house. My mother was a stay-at-home mom in a nasty rental with two tiny children while my dad was working two jobs while all this was going on. Throughout the entire process, the bank and Bob treated them very poorly. 
bullying my mum and lying to my dad. What should have been an exciting time for my parents was ruined. My mum cried a lot. My dad got depressed. Finally, the bank threatened my parents with foreclosure and Bob threatened to sue my parents for breach of contract because the bank refused to pay him any more money. So my exhausted parents went to an attorney and gave him the rundown. Plumbing, electrical, tiling issues, the whole sorry mess. My parents were scared. All they had was their small down payment savings, so if this became a lengthy court battle, the bank and Bob would win. The attorney, Tom, was kind, but my dad said he could tell that he and mum were doomed from Tom's facial expressions as he sorted through the paperwork. Then abruptly, Tom smiled. Let's get everyone together for a meeting, he told my parents, tomorrow. So my parents, Tom, the bank's representative, the bank's attorney, Bob and Bob's attorney met at the bank. Tom didn't give anyone else time to begin. He said, well, my client has decided that they no longer want this house. Please remove it. Everyone else started to laugh. Remove it? Have you lost your mind? Tom, in a sweeping theatrical gesture, placed a deed on the table. My client owns the land the house is sitting on outright. They no longer want the house. Get the house off my client's land. Bob's attorney stared at the deed and then turned and stared at Bob. You built a house on land you don't own? Bob nodded. The bank's attorney started yelling at the bank's representative. You didn't finance the land the house is on. The representative stammered, uh, no. Tom said firmly, as I said, gentlemen, you're trespassing on my client's land. I expect the house to be removed and the land returned to its original state at once. My dad said he'll remember the blank looks everyone on the other side of the table passed to one another for his whole life. Sure, the bank could foreclose on a house that wouldn't exist by the end of the week with no way to recoup the money. They didn't even own the land it was on. Bob was out the 50% he paid out of pocket, plus he was on the hook for tearing that house down and removing it. On top of that, the bank would undoubtedly want him to repay the initial 50% they gave him. Could they have gone after my parents? Sure, a foreclosure would have meant a bad credit for my parents moving forward. They might lose their down payment. But to sign off on a house in its condition at the time would have meant thousands and thousands of dollars in cash to replace repair everything from the roof to the basement before the house could be safely lived in. The bank knew my parents didn't have that kind of money. They're the ones who approved the mortgage. Suddenly, my parents were good people. It was all such a misunderstanding and the bank and Bob couldn't do enough for them. The house was brought in line with the original blueprints and specifications immediately at no extra cost to my parents, but at considerable cost to Bob. My parents signed the mortgage, Bob got the rest of his money and just about broke even on the build, the bank's representative was fired, and Tom, attorney extraordinaire, got a stinging tale of triumph to recall to fellow attorneys for the rest of his life.